0: The Homans Chronicles, the female equivalent of a bromance.
1: So many poor choices, but so many good takes. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> I just love them. I just, I just love them. This is the Homans Chronicles, and <clears throat> I had cat hair in my throat as I said that, of course, naturally.
0: Ew. <laughs> I'm Nicole. I don't think that you said you're Sarah. (laughs) I am Sarah. Sarah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nicole goes, (laughs) Eee. Sorry. My cat, August, has just gotten real, real aggressive with the cuddling all of a sudden. Thus, Uncle Cuddles. Come on, buddy. So, anyway, here we are Homance Chronicles doing uh another, doing a hose of history part, do for the first time ever. yes that's on miss emma goldman and you know that's part of her life really leaves her entire life was just as like intense but the first and second half are just very she had no peace is what i'm getting at (laughs) right so if you're
0: coming in this episode Go we already one. covered the first 40 years of her life and in <laughs> the previous episode part 1. Now it's years Second 40 to 40. 80.
1: Yes, essentially that is exactly what was happening at the moment.
0: Mhm mhm. Uh
1: 40 literally 40 years we're covering today. Okay. Do we have any housekeeping before we get started?
0: No, I mean, you can just roll right into it, I think, unless you want me to talk about dating woes or TV shows.
1: <laughs> did you mean for that to rhyme?
0: I did not. I just got lucky.
1: I'm impressed. We're on a riding <laughs> roll today. Okay, well, then we're just going to jump right in. So we left off where she was in seclusion. She decided, I... I needed to take a break because she was being vilified by the press and everybody for her support of the guy that off to the president at the time. Um so she she took about well, I think it was 10 years ish off maybe less. Um they basically she was super depressed and She was doing nursing jobs under a pseudonym um, until about 1903 when Congress passed the Anarchist Exclusion Act, and it pulled her right back in. Basically, it updated previous immigration laws and excluded the allowance of anarchists into the country, along with people who have epilepsy, beggars, and importers of prostitutes.
0: Okay. I'm confused as to what people with epilepsy have to do with the others. The other three, I can kind of get it, I guess.
1: Yeah, but why are we picking on people with epilepsy? They can't help it. Like, what the fuck? I don't get that either. And I I was like, didn't have enough time to go down that rabbit hole. Because, you know, I would gut all the information on it.
0: They were just trying to put anybody under the degenerates umbrella as they could.
1: Essentially. (laughs) (laughs) So um, in that time, she decided, it was 1906, she decided, hey, I'm going to start a publication called Mother Earth. Don't forget, she was an anarchist with a lot of political views, and she called her publication Mother Earth. And it was a culmination of writers from all over the world who were not only anarchists, but also philosophers who touched on anarchism, politics, labor issues, atheism, sexuality, and feminism. Okay, do you guys, you remember Berkman, right? Her mans and dems, pseudo mans and dumbs. not really sure what their status was in dems. Yeah. So he was released from prison finally, and he was in like such dire condition. She, I guess, met him with like a bouquet of flowers on the train stop, you know, on the train station, whatever. And they were like so... She was so taken aback by his presence and the way he looked. And he was just so worn out because he was gaunt and frail. He had seen some shit, went through more shit and made it back out from the, onto the other side. You know what I mean? So the fact
0: that he's released it all after trying to kill someone, right. It's, you know, yeah. So wrapping my head around that. I'm like, wait, what did he do? Oh yeah. Only,
1: only 20 years but yeah. he was trying to get rid of a, a bad man in, in mm-hmm. his opinion. So, um he was in such a bad shape that they didn't like really even speak on the ride back, you know. She was just like too taken aback by everything. So, he actually struggled for a few weeks. He tried to go on a speaking tour, which I think was on abortion, like this was during the birth control concert contraception era, if you will. Um he he didn't successfully run the tour, he ended up purchasing a gun to take his own life. Um but he actually did end up making it back to New York. He found out about Emma getting arrested for the guy who murdered the president and he declared my reset my resection resurrection has come. My resertion Yes. That was really
0: things. So
1: (laughs) that hurt hurt that hurt a little bit. My resertion has come okay yeah. so he like had a little bit more pep in his step after that and decided it was decided that as goldman would tour to raise funds for operations of mother earth he would take the lead and kind of be the lead person publicator editor guy he flourished um but he also did find himself a 15 year old anarchist to cheat on goldman with and now I say cheat on 15. 15 year old. Yes.
0: But how old is he at this point?
1: Well, into his, his not 15 era.
0: <laughs> I was going to say his fifties.
1: Yeah. Roughly that probably close to the sixties if we're going there. Cause he was a little older than Goldman, if I recall. So Oh
0: no. Yeah. 15. And it
1: was, yeah. And it was like, she was kind of bummed. Like she was like, "What the fuck he just rejected me. But she gaslit herself and was like, "It's just probably because of his time in prison." Like, nah, bitch, that's not how that works. I get it, but he's just a man at the end of the day who wanted to get a nut. The
0: part of their their whole thing is like women's rights and fighting people who do. I know, ah, uh, sex trafficking and yeah, and then he's gonna go and shag a 15 year
1: old (laughs) a 15 year old well I mean she did have her I'm sure she had her life path figured out by then anyway so she was probably a lot more mature than she was
0: (laughs) Based on the women that we've covered they've got they've made life altering decisions at 10 years old yeah
1: Yeah, eight years old I'm about to do this instead (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay so um, she was on tour for 10 freaking years. She was on tour talking about everything and anything that she could. Um, and the U S government actually ended up sending spies to the meetings and they would report back to the white house at, that, or not the house, not the white house. They reported back that the places that they were going to were packed houses. They were packed with writers, journalists, artists, um, even judges, <laughs> Which is kind of crazy, and they said um, she had a magnetic power, her convincing presence, and her f- she had a force of eloquence and fire. So, like, she really was a great speaker. At the end of the day, she could put a bunch of people in a room and get a crowd going. So, as she's on her little ten-year up around talking about what she's got going on she had an entanglement if you will okay in 1908 she met a man named ben Reeman. he was known as the hobo doctor which i know hobo was an offensive term this is what i'm reading off of the World Wide webs so he was called the hobo doctor he grew up in chicago's tenderline district and spent several years as like a drifter fucking bumbling around and then all of a sudden he had the ability to earn a medical degree from a college from the college of the physicians and surgeons of chicago so like he gallivanted around the tenderloin district and then decided he needed to go to college and so he picked himself up off the streets he wasn't the hobo doctor because he was on the streets he was a hobo doctor because he went back to where he went he went came from And he helped people suffering from poverty um, and illnesses and mostly venereal diseases. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, those were rampant. Mm -hmm. So they got together um, and they agreed on an open relationship, which she absolutely struggled with the jealousy side of things. She ended up trying to step out on him at one point and it didn't work out so well for her just didn't like sit right with her so she ended up like kind of returning back to work really don't know much more about her and Ben after that you know it was an affair of sorts but there was nothing like permanent hey, uh, was
0: he married though Uh uh-uh. uh so no. I mean it wasn't really an affair but but for they- her
1: it kind of was because she was still like I believe so I don't believe that she was in a relationship with Berkman, but she certainly wasn't a situation You know what I mean? Like, I feel that she said she had like maybe some emotional allegiance to that man.
0: Okay. Well, um, she had a fake, uh, commitment with him. Right. And then she had an. "Quote unquote" open relationship with the other man
1: <laughs> gets weirder. There's <So. laughs> there's weirder shit that happens later. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> so she turned back to work. She found that the crowds attending her lectures were becoming more spectators over supporters, and she was getting frustrated with that. So she decided to, um, collect a a bunch of speeches and other items that were written for mother earth and published them in a book form called anarchism and other essays, <laughs> which. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Straight okay. forward to the point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So remember Margaret Sanger, the birth control lady, she invented birth control. She wrote the, the um, pamphlets on um, birth control in the home with, her husband, and how... Yeah, but I
0: thought she didn't come around till later.
1: Well, this is later. It is that same era. So she came out with an issue called The Woman Rebel in 1914. And at that point, Goldman was still doing her lectures and traveling around. And so she was a furious supporter of the cause. Like, furiously supported the cause. So she was more than happy to distribute remember the family limitation pamphlet where uh Sanger wrote how it's important for a woman to have an emotional connection I think that's what it said but also like it was her duty to it's it's a couple's duty for uh contraception like family's duty is that um so uh Sanger published that pamphlet in 1915 and she went on tour to raise awareness about contraceptives Although the country seemed, and she, Emma, went on tour, uh, she was going around the country and everybody seemed to accept the message. But in, and in 1916, when she was going to another speeching engagement, she refused to pay the $100 fine for the Comstock law as she was um, giving birth control lessons in public. So the Comstock Law prohibited the dissemination of obscene, lewd, or lascivious acts. Contraception was lascivious, lewd, and obscene at the time. So she spent two weeks in prison, where she saw it as another opportunity to reconnect with those who were rejected by society. Wow. Her disposition is always sunny, in my opinion, with the exception of the 10 years of (laughs) being a nurse under depression and a pseudonym you know, balance.
0: (laughs) I mean, it still blows me away, though, that you can go to jail for two weeks for handing out pamphlets about contraceptives. No,
1: she she refused to pay the fine. Oh, 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 that's right. Under the Comstock law, there was a fine. She refused. She said, get fucked. I'm not paying this fine. They're like, all right, well, then to jail you go. So cut to 1917 after Woodrow Wilson was reelected. He was elected because the slogan they used was "He kept us out of war." Once he was re-elected, the U.S. entered the Great War, <laughs> and this is like the fallout of the the Russian um, the Russian submarine army was still threatening the U.S. waters. Essentially, I'm not a historian; that's probably not a thousand percent accurate. He looks incredibly regal from the side when he's doing that. I don't know what's going on with him. I'm happy he's calmed down. It-
0: oh, my dog? hmm <laughs> <laughs> Like, uh-huh. the people don't know that you're talking about my <laughs> dog. They think you're still talking about the president.
1: No, I, I know. I was um, say, yes, Sir William. Sir
0: William has a strong profile there for a minute. I don't know what was going on.
1: He was in concentration. So, um, Yeah. The U.S. entered the Great War right after Woodrow Wilson was elected in 1917, and this is when the Congress passed the draft. Emma and her boy Berkman organized the No Conscription Conscription League of New York, proclaiming we oppose conscription because we are internationalists, anti-militarists, and, and opposed to all wars waged by capitalistic governments. So this essentially was taken and a lot of people started opening chapters in other cities and they kind of pivoted it to be just like their push to be um in lack of a support of the draft because it like nobody wanted to do it. So as the chapters were starting to pop up in cities, police would raid them, finding men who had not signed up for the draft, kind of like setting themselves up to get fucked. Um On June 15th of 1917, Goldman and Berkman were arrested during the raid of their offices. And she basically was like, hey, I would like to change into a more appropriate outfit before I get my sentencing or whatever, before we take me to jail. And so she came out adorned in a royal purple gown.
0: (laughs) Well, purple is known as a royal color.
1: So she was sending a message. Absolutely. I have a feeling like she had that kind of personality throughout life and there was just so much going on. I couldn't get into those kinds of details because it would have taken me a week to do this, but she was a sassy B word at all times. There's that one point in time where she was like, okay, I'll take it. She was like, nope, I'm going to fight you on this. You're wrong. So um, she... And Berkman were charged with conspiracy to induce persons not to register. And under the Espionage Act, which was new, they were both held at 25k bail each, which is a lot. Right. That's like millions. Although she did try to spin a good tale, the jury found her and Berkman guilty as fuck. They were fined 10k, sent. To uh, the Missouri State Pen for two years and threatened with deportation afterwards,
0: just for so, supposedly inhibiting people from being part of the draft.
1: Not even inhibiting, just inciting the idea that they had a, they didn't, they could think freely for themselves and the government. Wow. Yeah, like you guys see espionage
0: that really- so you have your own free thoughts.
1: Yeah. so like the espionage act though it was i
0: think i think
1: basically she had like she well i'll get into it later it's after this so she's in prison she was assigned to work as a seamstress and under the eye of She quotes, miserable gutter snipe of a 21-year-old boy paid to get results. (laughs) She met another lady called Kate Richards O'Hare, who was also imprisoned under the Espionage Act, and their strategies were very different. O'Hare believed in voting to achieve state power. We all know Goldman was not that way. She was kind of more guerrilla warfare but they did come together to agitate for better conditions amongst the prisoners in the facility. And she met another lady named Gabriella Antonolini, who was an anarchist and a follower of an Italian anarchist. She was arrested for transporting a satchel filled with dynamite on a Chicago bound train. She refused to uh, cooperate with authorities and was sent to prison for 14 months. The reason I bring this up is that they all three worked together to make life for the inmates in this facility better. So they became as they became known as the Trinity. And then nice. Uh, yeah, she was released in September 1919. Um, okay, so
0: she couldn't help herself.
1: She really can't like everywhere she goes. So, herself and Berkman were released from jail during the Red Scare um, that happened in the United States between 1919 and 1920. So, the DOJ, Department of Justice, and what is now the FBI, they were not, they were like an extension of the government then in a different fashion. They're intent, fully intent on getting her and him out of the country. J. Edgar Hoover wrote while they were in prison. They are beyond doubt two of the most dangerous anarchists in the country and return to the community will result in undue harm. Basically, like, get the fuck rid of them. There's nothing that they can do to help this country. And so... The hearing for her... um, deportation was October 27, 1919 and she refused to answer any questions about her belief due to the fact that she was made a US citizen before the act was instated. So, that meant that she was a US citizen prior to the espionage act, prior to the other act. So she didn't qualify the stipulations the government had set up for her to get deported. She did create a she presented a written statement um basically proclaiming you know by starting here you're going to start fucking other people over blah 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 i'm paraphrasing the guy that deported or sorry revoked her first husband's citizenship Remember kushner mm-hmm. he was in charge still so he pulled hers and berkman's as well know, he didn't give a fuck he didn't listen to anything that they said they were included in a group of 249 departed in mass And the ship that it was on, they had like a joking name for it being the Russian something or other, but it made it to Finland on Saturday, January 17th, 1920. And that's where she found, you know, save I don't know, saving, what is it called? Not a savior, (laughs) but she found her uh, a safe haven. Yeah. Sanctuary safe haven. There it is. So
0: why did it, it was supposed to go to Russia?
1: No, I think that was just where the alliance like she was being deported to a non threatening country like the the Sweden, I guess you could say, like the she's, in, she's
0: going to the neutral zone,
1: yeah, <laughs> there it is <laughs> calling it in <laughs> so she's in Russia from nineteen twenty 1920 to nineteen twenty one Russia is going through all kinds of crazy bullshit with the government the the right. The czars are gone, the reichs are gone, whatever the fucks are gone, and now they're starting to become a communist c- country, and it is like not great. The country is being misrun. It's still under the same shit that it was start the started as. So, like you all know at this point, what Russia deals with regularly, we don't have to go into it. But she and her buddy Berkman tried to help get the people of Russia a voice. After there was some unrest that spread to Konstanz, the government actually ordered a military response. And from that, approximately 1,000 rebelling sailors and soldiers were killed. 2,000 more were arrested. And a lot were later executed. In the wake of these events, Goldman and Berkman decided there was literally no future for them in that country and it was time to leave. They left and went to Berlin and they were there for a few years. In that time she promised a publisher she would write a series of articles about her time in Russia. She wrote them, sent them in and the publisher decided to publish them as a set of books instead of a series of articles and she and they were published. Jeez, under the, how pu- much did she write? A lot. A lot. This is another trend for her. As you can tell, she's got so much information. It's because due in part to her fucking biography. So imagine she had a lot I know, but they say. said
0: on your time in Russia, write articles. And she was like, oh, I'm going to give you a novel.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, she did. I definitely breezed over what was going on over there. She was. And she had her fingers in all the different pots like she usually does. So she left for she and her buddy left, went to Berlin for two year for a few years. After that, she got her. Um publications or I'm sorry her articles turned into books and they were under the titles my disillusionment in Russia in 1923 and my further disillusionment in Russia in 1924. The publishers added these titles to attract attention and although Goldman protested she got nowhere with it she had no control.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was good marketing. Absolutely
1: my disillusionment in Russia.
0: And then further <laughs> instead of, continue.
1: wait, further. there's
0: more dot, dot, <laughs> dot.
1: I know. And it like makes me want to read them now. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck did she have to say? Um. So they left Berlin to move to Russia. She, in that time, gave a speech that ruffled a lot of feathers because the Russian communist movement, was still seen as a potential positive for that country. It was in the, like the beginning stages, like Russia was outwardly communicating just the positive while definitely doing the opposite behind closed Russian doors. And so she gave speeches on her experience and how it just, it wasn't a good idea. It was going to turn out bad because the people running the ship were bad people. Um, Nobody was really okay with that. So she still had this, like, you can get deported thing hanging over her head. Well, so she ended up marrying a guy that she met in 1895 so that she could have U.S. or she could have U.K. citizenship so she could leave live and live without the threat of deportation.
0: Wait, so she met this guy prior to her getting booted out.
1: Yes. So she met this guy like t- 30, 40 years prior to this stage.
0: And they kept in contact?
1: Yes. She had his contact. And so when she was in London, they connected. She ended up marrying him so that she could live without the threat of deportation. And she was also now available to, f- to go to France and Canada at 58 years old. She and her husband would occasionally exchange correspondence until his death in 1936. After that, she wrote to Berkman that she was very much lonely and heartsick. So Berkman and her weren't necessarily hanging out at this point. They were definitely not a thing anymore. He mm-hmm. had gone and done her own thing or his own thing. Um, and she had gone and done her own thing. So, um, in 1927, she decided that she needed to get the fuck out. So she traveled to Canada. In 1928, she stated she started. Excuse me, her autobiography with a crew that included Peggy Guggenheim. And Peggy's just infiltrating her way into everything. Uh huh. Because Peggy had an interest, remember, in all those rebellious types. Mm So Peggy wanted to fund. This wacky Emma Goldman, the anarchist from Russia. Okay. Love it. So she raised 4K for her. They secured a cottage in Saint Tropez and spent two years recounting her life. During that time I birth- mean a cottage
0: in Saint Tropez does not sound bad at all.
1: No. At all.
0: I mean, sure. <laughs> I'll do a little writing for you. (laughs) You,
1: Sorry, you need me to listen to everything you're saying and boil it down into a book. No problem. Well, (laughs) there was a problem, actually. (laughs) Oh, man. Berkman chimed in a bunch and it actually caused like their relationship to falter even further. Emma wanted the book because of the time, you know, it was the Great Depression. That's the era. She wanted a book to be five bucks. Just a single dollar, just a single book for five bucks. And the publisher was like, absolutely lutely not. You have too much going on. It's a two-parter for $750. You can't do anything about it. Sorry about it. Although the sales were sluggish in the United States because of the Great Depression, the interest in the libraries was continued. Like people were checking this book out as much as they fucking could. And it was on the top of that year's, um. Nonfiction book lists list of nonfiction books to read from the New York whatever before it was the New York Times. Like okay, girl, New it.
0: York bestseller list of some sort.
1: Yeah, the beginning. Of okay, it. okay, you know, nineteen twenty-seven or whatever. I feel so, like the New
0: York Times existed then.
1: Did it? I don't know if it did. It, I think it was under a different name. Hmm. Because I, I looked into it. I was like, it's not the New York Times and I don't care to figure it out. <laughs> okay. But anyway, so in 1933, as she's going through um, her hang time in Canada, the United States um, gave her permission to lecture in the United States again under the condition that she would speak about only her autobiography and no current political events. They wanted her past drama, they wanted everything that she had gone through, but nothing with regards to what was happening currently. <clears throat> so, in February of 1934, she was well received by mostly positive press um, and was soon surrounded by invites for interviews, etc. Um, there were still people opposing her speaking because there was still the beginning of. The, uh, communist era in Russia and people still had a positive outlook for it. So she mm. wasn't like, she was still met with a lot of like, you're wrong, you're wrong. And she was like, no, it's gonna be fucking bad. I will tell you, I know why it's going to be bad. So, yeah, um, she was there until May when her visa expired, she moved back to Canada She kept writing about her experiences and tried to get another visa into the United States, but eventually was denied. So in February and March of 1936, her buddy Berkman underwent prostate gland operations. He was recuperating a niece and was being cared for by his companion, Emmy Eckstein. So I feel like that's where they had, you know, the, they had a falling out and she was very much no longer in a situationship with him cuz he had a a companion taking care of him. Mhm. But he Probably
0: um, in more than one way. <laughs>
1: yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he missed he unfortunately missed her 67th birthday in San Tropez, Tr- Trope in June. Um she wrote in sadness but he never got to read the letter. So she wrote about the fact that he was unable to get to the thing, the party. She sent it off in the mail. Um. But she ended up receiving a call in the middle of the night that Berkman was not doing well and she left for Nice immediately from Canada, remember. But when she arrived that morning, he found that he had shot himself. He was in a comatose paralysis and he unfortunately died later that evening
0: oh so this gun that he bought 30 years ago Mm -hmm. he finally decided
1: to use it yeah wow sad 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 so she was completely distraught her sasha had ended his life so fast um, she wrote to her niece that it like seemed it was almost like a magical disappearance it didn't seem real during that time you know she's uh getting old she's getting closer to 70 she's kind of becoming a geriatric at this point but <laughs> spain had a civil war happening and they were basically the communists and the nationalists but she was to bar- inverted, invited to Barcelona, and she ended up living in a community that was run by anarchists. She again wrote to her niece that it was an amazing community. How do they just find each other? I don't know. I mean, at this point, I feel like she had so much notoriety for all the shit she had done. Yeah. She, that, like, that she was an extended, they extended an invite and helping it would show Right,
0: up Right, right. I mean, did. at that point, yeah, there was probably a welcoming committee for her. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: And there was the community reached like welcomed her with open arms. And she wrote to her niece saying how amazing the community was and how if the community was continuing to could continue to be successful in Spain, it could show the actual beautiful side of anarchy, which I'll jump into that at the end here. So the national forces. I'm gonna be kind of like essentially spot reading from different articles at this point. Not all this is just straight my words. So yes, plagiarizing a little bit, calling myself out. So they, the national forest, the nationalist forces declared victory in Spain. So the Communist Party didn't win. um, Just before she returned to London, she was incredibly frustrated by London's like very oppressive repressive atmosphere, as we know. The UK had a lot of fucking rules. They still do. And she wrote, um, the repressive atmosphere was more fascist than the fascists themselves. prompting her f- to return to Canada in 1939. Um, while she was in Spain doing all of her proactive anarchist things that she does, she did a lot of work that I didn't go into because it was just a lot. Um, It was not forgotten, and on her 70th birthday, the former Secretary General of the CNT-FAI, Mariano Vasquez, which was like, like an anarchists for the people type group that helped get the nationalists to win. So they sent her a message from Paris praising her for her contributions and naming her as, I quote, our spiritual mother. She called it the most beautiful tribute I'd ever received. (laughs) Cute. So as World War II is unfolding, she's still opposing the violent wars waged on Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, and Franco, stating that the coming war would bring a new form of madness to the world. She, again, was very opposed to violent authoritative rules, and governments. She very much wanted the people to be able to have discussions and figure it out without violence. Unfortunately though, on Saturday, February 17th, 1940, she suffered a a massive stroke and she became paralyzed on her right side. She Mm -hmm. could hear everything, but she could no longer speak. Not one word. Um,
0: oh that, no, that yes. has to feel awful for somebody who just uses their voice as their weapon yes. or I don't know tool.
1: Yes, like she had somebody say how it was so terrible that the world's greatest oralist just sat there mute. She couldn't even fucking speak.
0: Sometimes the world's a cruel place. You're like, was that a necessary joke? Really? Right. The like, irony is a little too on the nose on this one. Yeah.
1: Like, thanks, bitch. <laughs> Appreciate your comments. Get fucked. <laughs> so. <clears throat> she unfortunately improved only slightly. And on May 8th, she suffered another massive stroke. She suffered or she passed six days later in Toronto at the age of 70. Now. The U.S. Immigration and Naturalization Service allowed her body back into the U.S. because she was a U.S. citizen and was deported. Well,
0: now she for sure can't talk, so she's locked
1: back. Yeah, this bitch (laughs) is dead. We can bring her back in. That's fine. Yes, so because she was deported under unjust rules, they let her back in and she was buried in the German Waldheim Cemetery, which is now the Forest Home Cemetery, in Forest Park, Illinois. Her stone includes the quote. Liberty will not descend to people. A people must raise themselves to liberty. Which. Yes. We worked hard. To get where we were at. So. I'm going to quote her on, off of Wikipedia on this. But. Um, she was. Oh, she also was buried next to the people who were um, killed in the in the steel mill murders. Remember, they mm. went on strike.
0: Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. She was buried next to the folks that kind of. I was them.
0: wondering why Illinois. Yeah. Because her family is in New York.
1: Right. But she uh, was in Chicago. Now it makes uh, sense. Yep. Yeah. So. Um. the in the title essay of her book anarchism and other essays she wrote anarchism then really stands for the liberation of the human mind from the dominion of religion the liberation of the human mind body from the dominion of property the liberation of the shackles and the restraint of government anarchism stands for a social order based on the free grouping of individuals for the purpose of producing real social wealth an order that will guarantee to every human being free access to the earth and full enjoyment of the necessities of life according to individual desires, tastes, and inclinations. She was very, very intense intent on this, and it was very personal to her because she was very, she very much thought it was necessary for anarchist thinkers to live their beliefs and demonstrate their convictions with every action and word. So she was very much like, I don't care about man's theory for tomorrow. I care about his spirit of today. Essentially saying like, let's not get caught up in the what ifs and let's worry about the right nows, which I can appreciate. So it seems like, I don't know when anarchism took this wild turn from being that to being like so anti-establishment, you're just going to start shit on fire. But here we are.
0: (laughs) Always been there like an underlying thing. You what? I said, I kind of feel like it's always been there. Like it's been like an underlying thing, like fire and anarchy go together.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I guess in some regards, definitely. (laughs) But like, I feel like if you look at it from the 1800s perspective, it was born of freedom from all kinds of different control which is kind of crazy um so yeah then she had a couple other things going on she she had like her views on the state on the government on capitalism and labor um she believed thoroughly that capitalism dehumanized workers turning the producer into a mere particle of a machine with less will and decision than the master of steel and iron. So like she was like a hundred percent always going to challenge what people were doing to take advantage of other humans for, there was never going to be a time where she stood by and let it happen.
0: Right. It's like, everybody's a chess piece in the game. And there's other major corporations controlling how the game is played, making up new rules, pushing people around, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, um, it's really not any different today.
1: No. So also interestingly enough, remember, um, how some of our ladies were like, they thought that feminists were like doing too much, like doing the most. She was part of the anarcha-feminism group. She was one of the core tenants. And she um like advocated passionately for the rights of women and is today is heralded as the founder of the anarcha, anarcha feminism, which challenges patriarchy as hierarchy to be resisted along with state power and class divisions. So like this was beyond just feminism this was like human rights feminism at like max power because she looked at she looked at not only the patriarchy but the hierarchy of the patriarchy right
0: (laughs) Jeez. yeah
1: yes so again we all know that she was very much into contraception and she saw abortion as a tragic consequence of social conditions and birth control as a positive alternative so again she was an advocate of free love and a huge advocate or a strong critic of marriage so we can tell she was never really into marriage because she literally used it as a tool to keep in a country she never married for love well one time and it didn't work out (laughs) <laughs> yeah and
0: then uh love can't conquer all when you're impotent no, apparently not <laughs> when you're young and horny and you're like let's do this dance and he's like i was just kidding
1: <laughs> just <laughs> kidding
0: then she's like oh fuck this shit yeah. I'm out am
1: of- out of it i'm out deuces um also she was very much outspoken against people who were like or against the prejudice against homosexuals and uh, genderqueer people as they call them her belief that social liberation should extend to gay men and lesbians was virtually unheard of at the time even among anarchists wow um, german sexologists wrote she was the first and only woman, indeed the first and only American, to take up the defense of homosexual love before the general public. So, like all the shit she did, she was still worried about gay men. Well, <laughs> and, oh, and I mean,
0: we've talked about her relationships with men, but I wonder if she was actually like bisexual or
1: I mean a very curious or yeah, something
0: it, that it would could. spark her to have. Some extra caring about the queer or gender fluid or whatever you wanna. What did you call it back in the
1: day? Gender. They called it queer gendered, gender queered, gender queer. <laughs> oh God! And she was an atheist. I think we knew that. Um, yeah, she had zero interest in being religious in any way, shape, or form um she was well known while she was alive as the most dangerous woman in america because of how so crazy she was with the way she spoke um after her death and through the like middle of the 20th century her fame basically faded scholars and historians of anarchism viewed her as a great speaker and activist but not regard her as a philosophical or theoretical thinker that would be on par with like um, somebody like Krop, Kropotkin, Kropotkin which I believe was her one of her first people that she messed with so yeah that is that's pretty much that's where we're at she had a lot more going on she was A stigma in the in that era she the women's right movement in the 1970s she was rediscovered and um she was actually part of not part of but included in several films in the 80s um mentioned in a lot of different writings over the years especially about her relationship with Berkman and her arrest and connection to the assassination. Um a guy named or a lady named Lynn Roghoff wrote Love Ben, love Emma about Goldman's relationship with Ben, the open man, you know, mm. the hobo doctor that was open mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are also several other books that you can find on her, um And then, you know, obviously, she had countless pamphlets, articles, and a diverse range of subjects. But she also authored six books, including an autobiography, Living My Life. (laughs) Which I can't wait to fucking read one of these days.
0: Well, thank you. That was quite the story I miss, Emma Goldman. I mean, I didn't realize that she was an influencer before influencers. Yeah, she was you 100%. Know?
1: She was like into it. People were like into it with her, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Wowee. Who knew? That's wild considering she was like antichrist and <laughs> those times.
1: Antichrist, everything... anti-establishment, anti-everything, but free thinking.
0: <laughs> yeah. And in those times, I mean, as we've learned through just this story, even they uh, try to lock you up for that. So, and a couple of times, apparently they did.
1: Oh, they did. They got her several times.
0: You just can't imagine having to start over.
1: Again. You know, every, yeah.
0: Every time that you're taken down and, or gone to jail or have your reputation tarnished Etc. cetera, et cetera. Like she had to just keep starting over. And, um, the sheer will that she had to, uh, stand by her thoughts and beliefs and not, I mean, even her situationship man ended up killing himself. I'm sure prison <laughs> did most of that to yes, him I mentally.
1: So. Well, he also but, had prostate surgeries, which I'm sure didn't go well. So
0: Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> All right, well. No,
1: that shit goes in the 90, 1900s or whatever.
0: Peace. Well, thank you so much.
1: Oh, yeah, no problem.
0: Oh, my goodness. So I guess it's time for Adder Girls. So Adder yeah, Girls are where we pat ourselves in the back for something good that we've done or something good that's happened to us. And um just try to end
1: on a positive note yeah my other girl is i'm going on vacation tomorrow this is my last adult thing i have to do today and then you know we gucci i'm out birthday <laughs> birthday now hey, yeah, what exactly. band are you seeing Lucifer. oh
0: yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know them
1: it's uh lead singer of tool, one of his little side projects, but we're going to Atlantic city, which I've never been. And I'm sad because the weather is going to be like in the sixties and it's going to be like in the eighties here. And all I want to do is be a lizard on a rock. So when I get home, I'm going to jump in my neighbor's pool. (laughs) (laughs) Lizard out for two days before I have to go back to work.
0: Yeah. I did quite a bit of an adulting over the weekend. Um, since we were coming off the Memorial day holiday. I actually on the holiday I had reserved for, um, all my yard work. It seems to be a theme. I do that every year, not Mm -hmm. purposefully. It just happens. And so, um, today I am quite sore, um, (laughs) but everything looks great. So, you know, I have a sense of pride while I limp around.
1: I get it, I get it. We turned the sprinklers on yesterday, and you know did the whole like walk around the house make sure they all pop up. Oh, found a broken one.
0: <laughs> oh really? yeah Easy I fix. just Five watered bucks. the grass by hand is <laughs> well, what you, I did.
1: you have um you have the ability to do that. I no longer have that ability, so
0: well, and I should say I only watered the front lawn. <laughs>
1: Well, thankfully we found out that the sprinkler system hits the garden in the morning. So like that, that is a good thing.
0: That is nice. That's a nice bonus.
1: Both of our animals right now though.
0: I know. I know our animals are just, just on top of us. Literally. Couldn't get any
1: closer. Holding them the same way. And they're both in the same position passed out.
0: And your cat probably weighs more than my dog. Mm -hmm. So.
1: Yep, he's 20-ish pounds, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. Sir William here is probably, I don't know, somewhere between 13, 15, something like that.
1: Okay, not bad.
0: (laughs) But he rolled around in the new mulch yesterday and then smelled like manure. So. (laughs) Bath time. We had to take a bath. We had to wash his collar. We had to do all the things.
1: So if anybody wants to adopt a dog, He is still available.
0: (laughs) I know. Every time I talk about him, it's I'm really selling him hard. I'm like, (laughs) this happened.
1: oh he's a good buddy. That happened. He just (laughs) he just needs a he needs a companion. He needs somebody who's going to be there with him all the time.
0: Uh, I mean, I'm here with him, but it's interesting having boy dogs versus girl dogs. Like, even with just a couple of boy dogs that I've watched and come across I guess in my life um they are more inclined to want to roll in stuff and get dirty mm-hmm. and get into the trash and yeah like stop having a boy
1: let me let my life <laughs> actually all dogs do that uh you just got really lucky with Gia so there's that oh did I yes okay. All those things are both of what my female dogs do too. They eat things they shouldn't like Moxie just loves to eat sticks, like little pretzel rods. She'll just sit and chew and eat. And I'm like, wait, could you not do that? And then squeebs likes to dig. That's fun. That's a fun time. Yeah. Not at all. Anyway,
0: if you liked what you heard today, please (laughs) subscribe, share with your friends. Um, Follow us on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles, and that's where you can DM us or comment with a, a hoe of history request. You can also send it to podcast at gmail.com. And uh, if you're feeling freaky, you can join the <laughs> Homans chronicles, a judgment free zone, a closed group on Facebook where freak shit happens. Yeah, shit goes off the rails.
1: That's so. <laughs> great time. Come oh, on, out. <laughs>